Section 13 of the Letters of a Post-Impressionist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Solog. The Letters of a Post-Impressionist by Vincent Van Gogh. Translated by Anthony Mario Ludovici. Section 13. Further Letters to His Brother. Part 2. In the midst of an artistic life, there arises again and again the yearning for real life, which remains an unrealizable ideal, and often enough the desire to devote oneself completely to art, with ever fresher strength, entirely disappears. One feels exactly like an old cab horse, and one knows that one must always return to the same old shafts when all the while one would so love to live in the fields, in the sun, near the river, in the country, with other horses, also free, and have the right to procreate one's kind. And I should not be at all surprised if this were whence the heart trouble comes. One offers no resistance, neither does one resign oneself. The fact is, one is ill. The thing will not go away of its own accord, and yet there is no remedy for it. I really do not know who called the state a case of death and immortality. The cart one draws must be useful to people, whom one does not know. If we believe in the new art, and in the artists of the future, our presentiment does not deceive us. Shortly before his death, good old father Corot said, Last night in my dream I saw landscapes with pink-colored skies, and, as a matter of fact, are not pink and even yellow and green skies to be found among Impressionist landscapes? This is only to show how many things of whose coming one has a presentiment actually do come to pass in the future. We do not, however, yet stand on the edge of the grave, and we feel that art is greater and longer than our lives. We do not feel moribund, but of little account, and in order to be a link in the chain of artists, we pay a heavy price in youth, health, and freedom. And we no more enjoy the latter than the poor cab-horse does that has to convey people, who wish to enjoy the spring, out into the open country. That hope of Pouvy de Chavant should and must be realized. There is an art of the future, and it must be so beautiful and so young that even if we now sacrifice our own youth to it, we must make up our loss in the joy of living and in peace. I do not see the future black, but full of difficulties, and I often ask myself whether these will not prove stronger than I. This thought occurs chiefly in times of physical weakness as, for instance, during the week when I suffered so infernally with toothache that I was forced to waste time. Nevertheless, I have just dispatched a roll of small pen-and-ink drawings to you, I think about a dozen, and from these you will be able to see that even if I have ceased from painting, I have not given up work. Among them you will find a rapid sketch on yellow paper, a stretch of grass on the open space at the entrance of the town, and in the background a house, of which I have rented the right wing, four rooms, or rather two rooms and two little closets. 
the house is painted yellow outside and whitewashed within. It stands right in the sun, and I have taken it at a rental of fifteen francs a month. If our hopes do not prove false, which I am convinced they will not, and the impressionist pictures rise in price, we ought to paint a large number and avoid selling them too cheaply. This is one more reason for being careful of the quality and for losing no time. Then, in a few years, I see the possibility of holding the dispersed capital, if not in money, in any case in treasure, in our own hands. I am convinced that in this place, nature seems to have been made for the very purpose of being painted chromatically, and that is why the chances of my ever being led away from the spot grow fewer every day. Raffaelli has painted Edmund Goncourt's portrait. It must be very beautiful, is it not? The studio is in such a prominent position here that I do not think my establishment is likely to attract any female, and an affair with a petticoat might too easily lead to a binding relationship. Moreover, it seems to me as if the morality here were far more human and natural than in Paris. But with my temperament, it would be impossible to lead a loose life and to work as well, and circumstances being as they are, one must be content to paint pictures, which is by no means real happiness or real life. But after all, even the artistic life, though we know it is artificial, seems to me so vigorous and vital that we should be ungrateful not to be satisfied with it. I shall hang a few Japanese knick-knacks on my walls. At Claude Monet's you will see some beautiful things, and what I am sending you will appear bad beside them. I am dissatisfied with myself and with my work, but I see the possibility of doing better in the future. Later on, I hope that other artists will appear in this beautiful land who will create an art like that which the Japanese have created in their own country, and to pave the way to this is not so bad after all. I feel certain that I shall always love the scenery of this place, it is like Japanese art. Once it has found a place in one's heart, one can never cast it out. The other day I received a visit from M. K., R.'s friend, who, by the by, came back last Sunday. I must really call on him one day and look at his work, for I have not yet seen anything he has done. He is a Yankee who probably does better work than most of his countrymen, but in spite of it all, a Yankee. Does that not cover everything? I shall be able to judge of his capacities only when I have seen his pictures and drawings. It seems to me as if Messrs. B. and V. cared nothing for the good opinion of artists. But to be quite open, I thought the news was bad, and I could not help breaking into a cold sweat on hearing of it. I have been thinking about it ever since. For this conversation with the said gentleman, is to a certain extent a symptom of the fact that Impressionism has not taken deep enough root. As for me, I immediately stopped painting pictures, and continued work upon a series of pen drawings, for I said to myself, a breach with these gentlemen might make a reduction in my expenses a desirable thing from your point of view. I am not so very much attached to my pictures, and will drop them without a murmur, for luckily, I do not belong to those who, in the matter of works of art, can appreciate only pictures. As I believe, on the contrary, 
that a work of art may be produced at much less expense, I have begun a series of pen drawings. The people here take too much advantage of the fact that with my canvases I need a little more room than other customers, who do not happen to be painters. And they improve the occasion by extorting exorbitant payments from me. It is always a nuisance to have to cart all one's materials and pictures about with one, and it considerably impedes one's movements. Very often I am obsessed by the discomforting feeling that we are both being duped by Messrs. B. V. and Company. But I try to quell this feeling. Above all, do not let them make you their dupe. This is enough for today. Do you know what I think, on the whole, of the women of Arles? and of their much-vaunted beauty? They are certainly very attractive, but they are surely no longer what they must have been, and as their race is degenerating, they are now much more like a Mignard than a Mantegna. Nevertheless, they are beautiful. I here refer only to the Roman type, which is somewhat monotonous and trivial, and by way of exception there are women like those whom Renoir and Fragonard paint and some who cannot be classified according to any school of painting of the past. Taking all these facts into consideration, the best thing to do here would be to paint portraits of women and children. But I do not feel that this is my allotted task. I am not enough of a Bellamy for the work. But I should be mightily glad if this Bellamy of the cell, Monticelli was not the man, although he prepared the way for him, and I feel that he is in the air, even if I myself am not the man. I should be mightily glad, I say, if an artist could be born among painters, such as Guy de Maupassant was among writers, who could joyfully paint the beautiful people and things which are to be found here. As for me, I shall go on working, and now and again I shall paint something lasting. But who is going to paint men as Claude Monet painted landscapes? Be this as it may, you must feel the same as I do about it. It is in the air. Rodin? He is no colorist. He is not the painter of the future. For the painter of the future will have to be a colorist, such as has never yet been seen. Manet prepared the way for him. But you know that the Impressionists have already shown themselves even stronger than Manet in their color. I cannot imagine this painter of the future leading the life I lead. He would not have to go to small restaurants, wear false teeth, and visit third-rate cafés, frequented by zouaves. But I have a feeling that all this will come in a later generation, and we must do all we possibly can to promote its advent, without doubting or flinching. I have just read Zola's Au Bonheur des Dames again, and it seems to me more beautiful every time. I am writing to you again today because when I wanted to pay my bill at my hotel, I again discovered that I had been robbed. I suggested an arrangement which, however, has not been accepted, and when I wished to remove my things, they refused to allow me to do so. Very well, I said, we shall discuss the matter before the justice of the peace, where I shall probably be declared in the wrong. Now I must retain enough money to be able to pay in the event of my being held to be wrong. Sixty-seven and forty francs, instead of forty francs, which is the sum I owe. A thing that often makes me feel sad is that living is dearer here than I had reckoned, and that I cannot manage to subsist on the same amount as our friends in Brittany. 
but now that I am feeling better I refuse to think that I am defeated. After all, you have not yet seen any of my work here, and I have already spent a good deal of money. I am therefore sending you a case containing all the work I have done, with the exception of one or two studies which I had to destroy. I have not signed them all. A dozen of them are off their stretchers, and fourteen of them are still stretched. One is a little landscape with a white, red, and green cottage and a cypress. You have the drawing of that one, and I painted it all in my studio. It will show you that if you like I can paint you small pictures, after the manner of crepe prints, from all my drawings. Meanwhile I must pay my hotel bill, but there is a note upon it to the effect that the payment is being made only in order that I may recover possession of my things, and that the exorbitant charges will be laid before the justice of the peace. But with all this I have scarcely a halfpenny left. It is very annoying, for this business interferes considerably with my work, and it is very beautiful out of doors just now. Strangers are blood in these parts. On the other hand, the natives are quite justified in regarding them as fair game, and in extorting as much as possible from them. But it is discouraging to work hard, and to see how the money pours into the pockets of people one abhors. But we must put a stop to it. I am going to set up a studio here which is to be more than a temporary affair, and in which, if necessary, I shall be able to accommodate another painter. It is cheaper to live right in the heart of the country, like M. K., but he is exceedingly lonely, and up to the present has done very little work. In that case it is better to work hard and to pay more, if there is no other way out of it. If you will lay aside the best pictures in the batch I have sent you, and regard them as in part payment of my debt to you, on the day when I shall have sent you ten thousand francs in pictures I shall feel much more at ease. The money already spent during former years must return our way, at least in the form of articles of value. It is true that I am still very far from having achieved all that is necessary. But I feel that in the midst of the beautiful scenery here, everything is at hand to make me do good work. It will only be my fault, therefore, if I do not succeed. You once told me that in the space of one month, Mauve had painted and sold six thousand francs worth of watercolors so such strokes of luck are possible, and in spite of all my monetary troubles, I do not see why they should not happen to me. In the batch I am sending you, there are the pink orchard, painted on coarse canvas, the white orchard, landscape shape, and the bridge. I am of opinion that these pictures will rise in value later on and fifty or so pictures like these would compensate us for the small amount of luck we have had hitherto. Take these three pictures for your collection and do not sell them, for later on each one of them will certainly fetch five hundred francs. I shall begin to breathe freely only when we have collected fifty such pictures. Just a few lines to tell you that I have called upon the gentleman whom the Jew in Tartarin called the Zouge de Paix. I had at least saved twelve francs, and my landlord was reprimanded for having detained my box despite the fact that I had not refused to pay. It would have been very disastrous for me if the other party had won his case, for he would certainly have told everybody that I could not or would not pay, and that he was compelled to detain my box. As it was, however, 
when we were walking out of the place together he said to me that the whole thing had happened in a moment of anger and that he had no intention of offending me of course this was precisely what his object had been for he had probably seen that i had had enough of his place and did not wish under any circumstances to remain a day longer in it in order to obtain the reduction which was actually due to me i ought probably to have claimed very much more you can well understand that if I were to allow anybody and everybody to do as they pleased with me, I should soon be robbed of my last farthing. End of section 13 Recording by Elizabeth Solog, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania